I'll say it this way because that's what it felt like. Shavasana hit. And I was like, uh, uh, what do you mean? Like lay down and just relax. Just like lay down and close my eyes. No, I'm always one eye looking over my shoulder. And this wave of emotion came over me. And I was like, oh, I am so screwed. What is going on? That was Les Leventhal. Hey everyone, Danny Pomploon, and welcome back to the Yogi Misfit Sessions. Today, I've got session 111 with the one and only Les Leventhal. If you don't know Les Leventhal, you don't know Les Leventhal. Um, he is uh, He was a teacher in San Francisco for quite a while. Um, I am lucky enough to have met the man in real life multiple times and to have been harassed by the man. <laughs> Les is, you guys, he's just, he's unlike anything else. He's such a cool dude, so grounded, down to earth. And uh, he's also one of those people that just won't let you get by on your bullcrap. Like, he just does not buy it. And he also won't let you get by your own bullcrap. It's, it's pretty amazing. He's got a gift um, in doing this um, in the best way possible. It really just kind of pulls a mirror up to your face. Uh, Les wrote a really awesome book called uh, Two Lifestyles, One Lifetime. He's got an amazing story about his life and just how he got into yoga and what it was like before then and how he got sober. And some of the stories in this book, like I, I remember when I first read it, I was on a plane headed over to somewhere, wherever it was. And I, my jaw was just like, what? <laughs> it was pretty incredible. Um, and he just shares so openly and so raw. And yeah, he's, he's a force. He, uh, he's been traveling all around the world, teaching yoga, sometimes comes back to San Francisco. And now he's out in Florida um, hanging out with his partner and he's living the dream out there and, and really loving the sun and, and the warmth. Uh, you know, last time when you listen to this, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, those of you listening to the show, thank you guys so much for supporting our community here and continuing to build the Yogi Misfit sessions. It just keeps getting better and better and better. And it's all because of you guys. It's because of the reviews that you leave. It's because of the comments that you send over on Instagram and just everything that you guys do to make this show incredible and to keep it going. It just, yeah, it's unreal that we get to do this um, all the time. So with that being said, uh, you can always go check out the uh, podcast support page. You can check out us on or us out on iTunes and leave a review. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Here goes session 111 with Les Leventhal. Love you, Les. Hello, Les Leventhal. Hi, Danny Pumpo. How are you? I'm lovely. <laughs> Danny Pumpo, blah, 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 blah. Pumploon. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Some people, well, some people can get it. Some people don't get it. I, I often know. get like Pumplin um, or plum, plum, plum Plum. It's like, I don't know, tongue twister, I guess. Why would you go Plum Plum when you can just go Pum Pum? You could go Pom Pom. Too. I'll take Danny Pom Pom. That sounds I, cool. I like Pom Pom. Okay. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, moving forward, I am Danny Pom Pom. Yeah, Pom Pom. <laughs> I'll make you French. <laughs> oh, my God. Les, uh, first off, I miss you. Um, it's been way too long. Um, uh, and I want you to move back. In Asheville. Yep. So it's been, so you've, you've officially abandoned me for about six or seven months now. <laughs> um, I want you to know that these issues are going to stick with me for quite a while and I'll be billing you for therapy. <laughs> I love receiving invoices. <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco misses you though a ton. <laughs> I'll be back. When are you planning on coming back? 
I only said I'll be back. Mm. I have, uh, you know, in our world, we're trying yeah. to help people to be more present. And in the work that we do, we have to step out of the present moment and plan for the future. And I'm coming like up against not a struggle with that, but just backing off with how much I am planning my life and how much travel and how much teaching. And that was a piece of my last year. That's what allowed me to come to San Francisco to teach for five weeks. So I took, well, I was supposed to take last year off. Right. But in opening that uh, uh, sort of channel of nothingness, some really amazing opportunities showed up. And one of them was teaching in San Francisco. Another yeah. one was I went and taught on this mega yacht for three weeks, which was totally insane. <laughs> that sounds cool. <laughs> it was pretty, it was cool. It was, it was interesting. It was something so completely different. I got to see how other people walk in circles that I am like, what is going on here? But I also got to see, uh, you know, people who are very suspect of other people and what they're doing and why they want to talk to them. I got to see a bit of myself and kind of when I found yoga coming through, they're like suspect, like, who are you and what do you want from me? Right. Yeah. Right. Interesting. It was interesting. And then I got sick after uh, Asheville. I had some uh, crazy liver stuff going on and uh, I was for the very first time in my life in and out of the hospital, which was super scary because, uh, I, um, I can be dramatic. <laughs> you? And, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I just like spent a night in the hospital and they're not letting me out and they don't know what's going on and no one knows what's going on and no one knows what's going on. Right. And, uh, I was like not moving and I'm still not a hundred percent healed. Like my yoga practice itself is like, <clears throat> Pranayama, very basic yinny restorative. I don't have endurance to like go and go and go. And uh, the thing that's been helping me uh, build some energy and strength back is uh, my love and practice of Zumba. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot you're you're, you're totally a Zumba dude. You love it. A, I love it. You love you post videos about it. I um, actually went this morning and I made it through about half of a class, which is good. Uh, but in the middle of the class, a friend of mine said, did you look at yourself in the mirror? I'm like, yeah, no, I don't do that anymore. And, uh, the sweat that I created on my shirt was the shape of a heart. Mm. I'll post that later. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> we should, we should use that actually for the show picture. Okay. <laughs> That'd be great. Can I can send it to you. <laughs> so Les, I want to get into, um, well, you know, we, we finally got to, you know, hang out and connect this last year um, and, you know, become friends. But, uh, you know, I had heard so much about you for years, like ever since I first moved to the city and I'm coming up on six years now. When I first started teaching at Yoga Tree, I I mean, I honestly can't even tell you how many how many times I'd heard about Les Leventhal, Les Leventhal. And, you know, it was very similar stories. We both had addiction issues. We both were queer men. Uh, you know, we both uh, discovered yoga and really started to do the thing. And so, uh, you know, a lot of our mutual, we have multiple mutual circles, but a lot of people were like, you got to meet less, you got to meet less, you got to meet less. And then I think I ended up reaching out to you. It was like via email or something like that. We finally got to like hang out and go to dinner and chat and talk. And, you know, for me, it was definitely like we, we'd known each other for, 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 for ages and ages and ages. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then also I had picked up your book, which is actually sitting in my, in my hands right now. 
Um, and as I started to read your story, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like totally parallel lives almost, you yeah. know? So you, you have an incredible, incredible, incredible story. Um, and you tell it so beautifully in your book through the Yamas and the Niyamas. But I would love to, you know, have, you know, or even our listeners here just tell us about it. Like, what was it, what was it like? And how did you get to the point where you wrote a book about it? Okay. I love the next, <laughs> the book is amazing by the way. <laughs> the next five hours of your life. Listen up. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know, I, I, uh, I was born and raised in New York. Uh, and I always knew I didn't belong there. So when I was 17, I mean, I was always running away from home. When I was 17, I finally ran away for good to uh, West Hollywood. And I was just, I was just like attracted by all the things I saw in magazines, which was like, you know, honestly, naked men, really cute men. Yeah. And this sort of glamour and glitz of Hollywood. And I didn't care what grit or dirt or crime that came along with. And so I kind of went as this sort of, I don't know, I had this just willingness to go jump into anything that was going to be anything. And the truth is when I arrived, it was about, you know, food, clothing, and shelter. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't really care about the clothing part, but food and shelter. <laughs> still <laughs> and, don't. <laughs> yeah. In some cases I still don't. <laughs> this is true. And, um, uh, and I was too young, you know, and no one really wanted to hire me. I was under 18 and no one wanted to, there people were like, stay away. You're going to help us break the law if we hire you for anything. So I actually kind of started down this road of just kind of working weird secretary jobs and different things. And um, I had met a guy who was in recovery and I didn't really even know what that was. And, um, and nor did I know that I was on my way. And things were actually kind of okay for a couple of years and then i turned like 19 and i was like okay i'm ready my body i felt like of course living in hollywood i was like i feel like my body is in a place that other people could appreciate it that i'm worthy of the looks that i have to get work whatever work that is so uh of course i had this you know backdoor plan of i'm just going to become uh you know pornography, prostitution, and I'm going to sleep with that director who's going to get me into mainstream movies. Right. You know, and I always, I mean, even when I teach, I'm always, and even in the book, I'm referring to, to movies. It's always about this Hollywood, this thing that something outside of me is going to give me something that's going to help me not even uh, acknowledge who I am inside, but it's going to put something inside of me that's going to erase all the other stuff that makes me uncomfortable. And of course that never happened. Although I did meet some really amazing people along the way. And some of it was fun and then it was fun with problems and then it was problems. And then it was, uh, big problems with lots of drugs and people that were, um, uh, you know, that grit and that dirt that I mentioned a few minutes ago, yeah. it's like I was there. I ended up in jail. I ended up, you know, doing things and breaking laws and doing things that I should not have done. And, you know, I'm just very blessed that years later I was given uh, an opportunity to make amends for all of those things and um, in many different ways. And, you know, I was also very lucky to have a, a very good friend who saw just how quickly I was sliding down uh, the dark holes of everything and pulled me out. And uh, I moved to San Francisco. That was in 90, 1992. And I was like, you know, I just need to get off crystal meth, 
get a boyfriend, get a job, and it'll be okay. Right. So I got off crystal meth, but I did get on Valium, Halcyon, Ativan, Flexeril. <laughs> um, so that was a mess. I did quaaludes. get a job. <laughs> I never did quaaludes, actually. <laughs> There's actually, believe it or not, people, your listeners probably won't believe this if they know me. There's a lot of things I have not done. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, there's a list. And, uh, and I did get a boyfriend, um, but neither of us were in a place to, it was, it was just a mess. Hmm. But then a year later, I found, I found recovery. And, uh, and that was actually great. And, uh, and I stayed clean for almost five years. And I went back and got my GED and I got a college degree and I got this crazy big job that would make my family really happy and started making tons of money, which still didn't make my family really happy. And uh, it was just a very interesting, weird time. So with my best information of being too young and now being a college graduate, making lots of money, I decided to go back out and drink and use like a madman for three years. But that's when I met Joe. And that's also when I found yoga mm -hmm. and it all didn't mix well. I was like, I really wanted to date this amazing man. I really wanted to do this amazing yoga thing that was like, what is all this? And uh, cause I remember that first class this is a piece of the book. That first class was uh, Steph Schneider. Mm -hmm. She was subbing at gold's gym on Brannon. And that was in January of 1999 and the floor was cold. And the mats were disgusting and there's those big windows there so all the men can see inside and i was like doing these things that i didn't know i thought i don't want to look like a fool and all these people that i want to date for you know <laughs> yeah. 10 or 15 minutes yeah. or maybe an overnight if i can handle that because you know coming from that other world i had you know long dates that lasted more than an hour without cash transactions were not familiar to me right and were really a struggle so there i was taking this class and Oh gosh, it was such a mess. I had no idea. And she was teaching like forest yoga, like Nauli and Udiana Banda and all this stuff. I'm like, what is this? Wait, I Steph was my... teaching forest yoga? Yeah, that's who she originally trained oh with. Oh my God, this, <laughs> this isn't like, this is news to me. <laughs> oh yeah. Steph was a big forest teacher when she first started it, even at Yoga Tree. Wow, I had no she clue. Was oh yeah. Wow. Good times. Good times. <laughs> and uh, at the end, you know, Shavasana, like I'll say it this way because that's what it felt like. Shavasana hit. Yeah. And I was like, uh, uh, what do you mean? Like lay down and just relax. Right. Or just like lay down and close my eyes. No, I'm always one eye looking over my shoulder. Right. And uh, this wave of emotion came over me. And I was like, oh, I am so screwed. What is going on? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember walking out of that class so slow. And my friend that I went with said, are you okay? And I was like, I, I, I don't have any words. I can't talk right now. I'll see you later. Mm. And I was like, I have to have more. As a good addict, I need to have more of this. Right. And so I started doing uh, uh, some classes with a guy named Michael Cooper. I don't know if you know that name. I don't. Uh, he taught at Yoga Tree Stanyan. And uh, I'll put it this way. He uh, was one of us. Okay. You know, and many years later, when I was teaching at Yoga Tree Stanyan, which was 2005 and six. Uh, he came in uh, one Sunday in a complete blackout and uh, not too many years later passed away from, you know, what we do. And, uh, but he was a great, amazing teacher, like an hour class. 
Like if we did Warrior One, Warrior Two, Side Plank, Forward Fold, Shavasana, it was a lot. Right. And that's what I needed. I needed gentle, easy, simple stuff back then because that's all my mind could comprehend. Sure. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I had some, uh, I had like a little growth on my testicles. And so I went and got all that checked out. And the person who checked that out, little did I know who he was, his name was Rusty Wells, Mm. uh, working at Davies. And I was like, what is that little ball on the ball? And he's like, I'm not your doctor. I can't talk about that. He's like, I'm just going to let you know that the doctor will talk to me. Like, I don't want to see the doctor. I see you. I see the extra spot that shouldn't be there. He's like, I can't talk. He was such a gentle, caring soul. Didn't know who he was from Adam. And a couple of months later, I was at Pete's Coffee, which I just got a delivery of yesterday. I still get Pete's Coffee delivered here in Florida. (laughs) And um, I had my yoga mat over my shoulder and my gym bag. And I was getting my double espresso so I could pump an hour of weight and then go do a yoga class uh, with Howard Tom at the time I'd moved on to. And this guy taps me on the shoulder and he's like, hey, good to see you. And I was like, hey, it was rusty. He's like, I didn't know you practice. And I'm like, practice what? I'm like, I didn't know the word practice. Right. And he's like, there's this really amazing studio around the corner. There's this great class on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. You should check it out. And I was like, I'm, I'm into checking new stuff out. Sure, why not? I don't know what a yoga studio is. Right. And uh, so I went and I walked up the stairs. There's incense everywhere. And I thought, ugh, this is the place my mother warned me about. <laughs> and... Uh, I walk into this room, you know, 140 people, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. They're all warming up in handstand. Mm. And I thought, <laughs> again, I felt screwed. Right. And in walks Rusty with his tambourine. And I thought, Hare Krishna, here we go. Here we go. And the chanting started. I'm already sweating, so I'm uncomfortable. And the chanting started. And now here comes more tears. Right. And I was like, what is this? What is yoga? What? Like, what? Like, and no one could answer my questions, right. you know? I'm like, I'm having this. And I'm like, ah, ah, ah. And, and so I just kept going. And I kept going. And I kept going. And then somewhere online, someone said something about, oh, you should do one of his workshops. I'm like, what's a workshop? And I'm like, oh, it's like three hours. I'm like, why would anybody do three hours of yoga? That's the most insane thing I've ever heard. Right. Five days of meth, I understand. Three hours of yoga. Because <laughs> that makes total sense. Oh, my, my capacity for flexibility in the mind did not exist when I started yoga. But I tried it. I was like, that was amazing. Again, everything I did in yoga for the first time was always amazing. Mm. And then someone said, hey, this woman, Anna Forrest, is coming to town. So now we're like a couple of years in. Mm. And this woman, Anna Forrest, is coming to town. I'm like, uh, okay. And they said, she's really intense, but you're really intense and you probably really like it. And I'm like, I'll go. And so I went to the, I remember going to the first workshop and it was a Friday night and we were doing backbends at like 10.30 at night. Mm. And I was like, Ugh, I didn't sleep that night. I got up the next morning after like one hour. And I was like, ready to go. I felt like a complete meth head. It was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, she did two sessions on Saturday. And then that evening, a bunch of us went to eat dinner. And I thought I must be starving. So I ordered a ton of food. But I didn't eat that much. And that was my first sort of like, I was like, why did I not, like, I didn't eat all day. Why, why did I not eat? And I started making like little connections of like, 
I wonder if there's something to yoga and nutrition and how I, you know, eat to numb my feelings and don't eat to when I'm hungry and to actually nourish myself or to even think about what I'm eating. Mm. And I started doing more with her. And then someone said, you should do a teacher train. I'm like, that seems pointless as well as all the other stuff I've already done with yoga. And Joe and I managed to stay together. I got clean again in 2001 and we went through lots of uh, therapy and programs and stuff. And he came home one day. He's like, I'm going to quit my job from software and going to design. It was a natural thing for him. And like a year later, I was like, wow, his life looks amazing. And I get to be a part of it, but I want to quit my job. And he's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'll go do a yoga teacher training. And he said the same thing I said. Why would you do that? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I said, but I, I need to take some time off. I was so burnt out from my bank job. And I thought I can just go do a month of yoga. And obviously, it changed my life again. And it changed my life again. In, like, I want to say it changed my life in so many ways, but in that, the way we say it changed one thing, which was everything. And it even changed everything so much that I remember driving home thinking, how am I going to – like I'm, I felt like such a different person. I thought, Joe's not even going to know how to talk to me, and I'm not going to know how to talk to him. Mm -hmm. And I felt sort of boxed in in a way, and I thought, I'm really in trouble and I got home from the training and I, I called the woman who was uh, managing yoga tree at the time. There were only four studios back then. And I said, Hey, what's going on? And she's like, Oh, it's a mess. Jamie Lindsay quit. No one's showing up to teach the 6am classes. And I'm like, I wake up at five every day. I'll do it. Like you just finished your training 10 hours ago. Right. They're not going to, they're not going to hire you. Right. And I'm like, so the salesman in me was like, tell them <laughs> that or remind them that every day at 6am they're losing money. Right. Not just from the people who are coming, but from the people who are going to actually end up never coming back because no teachers showing up. And I'll do it. So that was on a Thursday. On Friday, they had me teach a mock class to a few people. And I started teaching Monday morning. Like the week after my five days after the training event, I started teaching 6 a.m. classes. And I remember Anna saying something. She said, if you're boring, uh, if you feel bored in what you're doing and you're teaching, imagine what your students are feeling. Mm. And I thought, that's interesting. I thought, I'll never understand what that means, but I, I kind of get it maybe. And like two months later, a woman came up to me and said, do you ever teach any other sequence besides this forest stuff? Right. And what I heard her say is, I'm bored of your teaching. <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow, I didn't expect that lesson so fast. So I started realizing, I was like, I kind of miss my vinyasa and what we did with Rusty and Janet and what Steph had started moving into and everything. And so I started switching back a little bit and mixing things up and I started feeling good about that. And then how the Yamas and the Yamas came into my life was, it was a workshop with T.S. Little, I think. I actually don't remember. I think it was T.S. Little. That I, I found him because we were going to Santa Fe and someone said, oh, you should look up T.S. Little. Of course, I said, who's T.S.? Who is she? Little did I know it was a he. And he <laughs> did something on Yamas and Yamada. This is amazing. I thought, and I don't really understand how to, because for me, yoga was just about getting on the mat at that point. Right. And I really wasn't hearing this yoga off the mat. And so that was the first time I started looking at that. I thought, how do I start incorporating this? And then I was on a retreat with Rusty and Janet in Mexico at uh, Isla Mujeres, Hotel Nabalong. I think that was like 2004, 
four or five. I don't remember the dates of that. And Jana was doing some stuff on yamas and niyamas. And I was like, ah, I was away from my like regular daily life. And I was able to hear and uh, spend time contemplating and then therefore comprehending more about what that was. And I started looking at about uh, how that applied to my life and not just my yoga, but my recovery mm -hmm. and how I treat others and how I take care or don't take care of myself. And I got really interested in how to start weaving this into teaching because it was Sean Korn who at one of the Chicago Midwest yoga conferences that don't happen anymore, but she came up to me and said, she goes, um, do you talk about God when you teach? And I'm like, no. And she's like, why? I'm like, because it just feels like it's too dancey on the edgy, pushing people. And I want to open up space that people can explore whatever they want. And she said, but you, like your whole life is about God and higher power and all that stuff, right? And I said, yeah. And she said, so basically you're violating one of the yamas, like you're stealing. Like our stay is non-stealing. You're stealing from people the experience of the truth of who you are as a person off the mat. And now I started to really understand yama, niyama, on the mat, off the mat. And so I remember the first day I threw it out there, because usually I would sit up on that stage and I would set the intention with my eyes closed. Not this day. I kept my eyes open because I wanted to see if people's body twitched at all. And a couple did, but it felt amazing. Mm -hmm. It was, it was like, you know, when you, you're holding a secret and then all of a sudden you like let the secret out and the only person that uh, thought it was going to be a big deal was the person holding the secret. Mm -hmm. It's almost like everyone else was like, ah, like, thank you, God. Like, thank you for, we, we feel the words of your truth. And it's so good that you got comfortable in letting us experience all of who you are so we can then open ourselves up to what you tell us to do, which is exploring who we really are. Mm -hmm. So that just opened up a lot of uh, a lot of new ways of teaching for me and, and looking at things like, you know, what is warrior one? What is warrior two? What am I feeling in these poses? What am I trying to get in touch with? What am I trying to avoid getting in touch with? And then I had an assistant and she said, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I was like, Ugh. I'm from Hollywood. I've thought about books. I've thought about movies. I thought about running for mayor. Because uh, the very first mayor of West Hollywood, he did pornography. And I thought, well, if he can, I can. Totally, right? totally. <laughs> yeah. And um, so we embarked on this project, which was a lot of work. And she said, who's your audience? And I said, my audience is um, uh, gay men youth in their teens, drug addicts, runaways. And she laughed and I thought, it didn't seem funny to me. And she said, were you reading books back then? I was like, no. She's like, so that's not your audience. She's like, you're not going to sell a single book if you think that's your audience. Right. And she said, go, go think about that. And I thought, oh, my audience is for the people that uh, the lives are affected by that, whether they get to stay in touch with that person or not. You know, and in my life, there are people who have come back into my life. There are people who, like, said, we don't care what you're doing in your life. Stay away from us forever. You know, other people have just, we've just drifted. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that, we got further into the book. And then she said, we, I, I felt like we had finished a draft. And she's like, there's something missing. There's, not, there's something that's not, like, carrying and threading 
through from chapter to chapter. That's it's a piece that's missing. And she's like, what's the most important part of what you teach right now that's not in this book? Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's nothing about the yamas and the yamas. She's like, exactly. Right. She's like, how come we didn't get to that? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, why don't we make the chapter headings around the yamas and the yamas and talk about it in how you both violated each of those and then came into a place of not necessarily recovery, but of awareness with each of those and how you practice those in your life and what you do with people who are in your life that absolutely violate those things uh, against you, whether it's knowingly or, or, or not. And then we started rewriting the whole book. And I was like, this is never going to end. And I really started looking at, wow, where do I still, where am I still violent? Even with my thoughts, mm-hmm. where am I violent with my actions and, and my words, you know, or even on social media? Uh, where do I steal people's time and uh brahmacharya was a really interesting one right celibacy not my lifestyle and i thought i had to come to a a, uh, a reading that offered me this option to look at uh my relationships whether they're sexual or non-sexual and to address the issue that's been the golden uh issue of my life which is intimacy right which is like funny because god gave me this job to teach yoga to be intimate with thousands of people all over the world for years. Sure. And so, some days it's really easy. And other days it's like, oh my God, people showed up. What am I going to do now? You know? And cause I never like to reach back into my hip pocket and just throw something out there from memory. You know, I like to get really in touch. So people walk away. Like I walked away. I want people to walk away from a class, a workshop or a training with this idea of, I have no idea what just happened. Mm-hmm. I feel paralyzed and energized all at the same time, which was my experience. And then it's like, what do I do with this? And how do I take this into my life? And then the biggest pieces were the niyamas and like being taking care of myself, you know, and um, my big one right now is um, Saucha, which is, you know, the translation of Saucha, the niyama is, um, you know, from cleansing arises disgust for one's own body. Mm. And I thought, oh, I don't like that so much. You know, and so last year was a cleansing, you know, and then to get sick, I really, I was like, because I still have that piece in me. It's like, I know I'm 51, but I'm bringing my health back to 18. Right. And my body's just like, old man, age gracefully and appreciate that you've had so much life. Like it's, it's, it's more than the book is two lifestyles, one lifetime, but I've had more than two lifestyles. I've had so many. And now as I go into this year and I start to do some travel, like I have a, for, for me, it's a small travel schedule for other people. I'm sure they look at it and think, oh, he's, he, he's just not done yet. Right. It's totally. Like, yeah. You travel like, like a map. Drive. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just three trips. There are three big trips, but it's just three trips. Right. Uh, actually four, cause I've got one U.S. piece and it's like, so I have to cleanse every day and it tells me that from that cleansing, I'm going to find disgust. Mm. So that I have to do something every day. Sure. And it's kind of like when I look back at my relapse, you know, I had a very good mentor in my life who said, you have to find something every day from this moment forward. If you want to continue to receive this gift 
that you weren't doing last time in order to maintain the gift of sobriety. Mm. And from that became an awareness around the gift of relapse, which I thought was amazing. And so now going back into teaching after quote unquote some time off, I'm looking at what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Where am I going to do it? Like, what are the reasons I'm going to the places where I'm going to connect with people? Right. Uh, what is it that I want to be giving them? And am I willing to take a harder look at making sure that I don't give them all of me? So at the end of a day or even the beginning of the next day, all I have left is breadcrumbs and I can't take care of myself. Hmm. which is what I was looking at last year. I was just taking a look at, okay, I spent 15 years giving, 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 giving. Without any doubts, the most amazing gift was to give. Right. I, I received so much. For me, watching people transform their lives the way yoga transformed mine, I loved witnessing that. I loved watching people walk into training saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then within 30 days, like, oh my God, I can. I had no idea. Thank you so much for trusting me. Thank you for seeing something in me that I couldn't see in myself and giving me tools to explore that, even though many days I wanted to chop your head off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is like how I felt about Anna some days during the training. I thought, you're not allowed to treat me this way. I paid you thousands of dollars <laughs> to shut up. <laughs> And she was like, actually, it's not why you paid me thousands of dollars. You know, and years later, looking back, it's like this, you know, I was trained very well. Right. My, my alignment with her at the time where she was in her life and teaching and with where I was in my life needing a teacher was perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And so now the book for me is to tie all this up is um, it's a tool to help people who may have been, uh, I'm going to say this in a weird way, but left behind. Because when I was in Bali a few years ago, which I thought I was going to live in forever, but we didn't, this woman stopped me one day at the end of the day. And I was tired and exhausted. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And she said, uh, I need to talk to you for a minute. And I had a choice. I thought I could just say not today, or I could just, just not be so selfish and realize she needed to say something. Mm. And she said, I just finished reading your book. So I stopped. I just re finished reading your book and I came to Bali for six months and it's just been, you know, a few weeks and I didn't know why I was here. And she said, uh, my son committed suicide a few months ago and uh, I'm lost and I didn't know what my life was going to be about. And of course I contemplated, do I need to continue having a life myself? And then I read your book and she said, I realized that I'm supposed to go out and help other people who are survivors. And I thought, oh my God, I would have missed that. Right. You know, I would have missed that gift. And uh, I never profit from my book. I take whatever money it, it makes and I, I pour it back into the book and the advertising and into uh, some speaking engagements. And right now, because I teach so much in Australia and all their fires. So I posted uh, last week that whatever money I make for January, February, and March, I'm taking all of the profit and uh, sending it down to Australia. And awesome. uh, to help them. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's like, there's always, there's like a million things to help out, right? There's stuff here in Florida I could help out with. There's, you know, the homeless in San Francisco. There's always like a, a million places. And it's always so challenging to make that decision and to post something like that because it's, it, 
it hurts my heart when I get messages from people say, wow, why you don't even live in Australia? Why are you doing that? And what about here? And what about us? And what, it's like, uh, and, um, but that's the piece where I realized that I spread myself too thin sometimes, you know, and I want to make sure that, uh, as best I can, I maintain a piece of being a student of yoga for the rest of my life, as much as I am passionate about teaching. Mm. I mean, there's so much wisdom in, in not only everything that you just said, but, you know, even in the book, the way that you, the way that you've so, uh, skillfully weaved in the different yamas and the niyamas and, and, you know, even it, just in the way that you tell your story, I think is it's so brilliantly put together. And I now understand too, how your book had to go around like a couple of times before it was actually <laughs> ready. You know what I mean? And when we finished, I think we had just moved to Bali and we were just finishing it. And uh, Barbie's the woman who helped me write it. Uh, we didn't talk for a couple of months and she sent me a message. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, we're just getting settled in Bali. La, 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 ta, ta, ta. And she's like, I'm talking about the book. What are you doing? And I was like, well, we're done. And she's like, you think you're done. She's like, you just had this amazing experience of whatever, the, you know, your release and cathartic everything she said, but if you don't publish this book, it's violating the Yama of Ashte. It's another form of stealing. And I was like, oh, who are these people in my life holding me accountable? Right. It's like, but thank God for those people. Yeah. To remind me. Because I forget. I still forget. And I, I always want to remember, like, you know, when people say, oh, like, you, you know so much. It's like, no, the truth is, I actually don't know a lot. It's just from sitting and doing some daily practice that I'm able to see like just like a, a couple of steps ahead. Like I don't see down the road. I don't see down the road in a few months from now or a few years from now. I just see what's really going on. You know, right now we're here in Florida and my father-in-law's health is in uh, full decline. And, uh, you know, we were with him at Christmas and, and Joe was with him uh, the past few days and he's worse. And uh, we, we knew we were meant to be here. And Joe got home last night. He's like, thank you so much for being willing to change our lives again so that we could be close to family. And, you know, I've always had this thing about how to define family. And I've never been able to define family the way I wanted to define family. Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, it's not been my experience. And family has shown up for me in many, many different ways. And his family has shown up for me in so many amazing ways that I never expected. So to hear them be grateful that we're here to be able to help out, it's like that teaches me a bit of more of like that study of the self mm -hmm. about how it's it's from the selfish to the selfless. You know, and, and that my my teaching of yoga and my practice of yoga with them is to just be witness. Right. To just, I, they're an hour and 20 minutes away. We drive over Alligator Alley and we say, do you need anything? And of course the answer is always no. Right. And so we just sit. Yeah. And we wait and we listen. And sometimes it takes a few minutes and sometimes it takes a few hours. And they say, could you help us with the laundry? Could you help us get some food? Can you help us? And that's, that's the thing that I'm hearing more as I get older. I'm hearing people say, can you help us? And I'm watching this great divide across the world that people are like, I'm busy. I'm too busy. I'm too worried. 
I'm too worried about what I've been trying to stockpile for my own life that it might get taken away from me. There won't be enough for all. Mm -hmm. So going into this year teaching, I really want to try and build bridges to the places that I'm going, not just in the cities that I'm going, but more of like a, a worldwide thing. And I never thought, you know, this is another thing Sean Korn said. She's like, some of us are meant to be local and some of us are meant to go global. You know, you and I, we go global and we do our thing. And it's like, wow, what? It, it's amazing. I never would have thought that that was going to be something I was going to do. But I'm not going as global. I just want to, I want to make sure that I have enough energy to go to the few places I'm going and be like, you know, what do you need? So I'm doing this teacher tune-up thing. In some places, I'm doing them in three hours. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Yeah, good luck. That's a lot of I know. in three hours. <laughs> I know. And some it's like a day long and some it's three day long, but it's like, you know, like let's tune up not just the teaching of the yoga practice, but getting people to take action in their lives, whether they're meant to stay local or go global to help because people need help. The world's changing so fast that people don't even know what to do. But no one, it's happening so fast, no one's sitting still long enough to listen. I mean, in a place, in a time in, in, in life, place and time where, where there's so much information, you know, it's shooting at us a million miles, you know, per second. But there's, you know, we're starving for wisdom. We're starving for listening. We're stopping, we're starving for like some really, you know, rooted, rooted information, like something like as simple as the yamas and the niyamas and how to practically bring them into our day to day lives. And the other piece for me, here's the big one in watching. This is, it's, this is such an interesting part of living in Florida. Uh, you know, it's an elderly community living here in, in, in Fort Lauderdale. And there's the retired people and there's people who are still here working. And so I look at that sort of that non-coveting and the non-greed piece mm -hmm. and how people are so good that people, it's this, piece for me was working through uh, shame around what my past was and making sure that I don't compare what's happening in my life or inside my spirit and my soul with how other people might be presenting how they look on the outside. Because that's always a trap. I talk about that a lot when I teach. But people like, you know, like that first day when I walked into Rusty's class, that 9 a.m. class, and people were in handstand and headstand and forearm balance. And I was like, oh my God, they look so happy. And what some of them are even talking while they're in their inversion. And I'm like, ah, and I was comparing what they were doing to who I was, you know, and I was just this guy who was still stuck in trying to make my body look perfect so that you would look at my body and love me. Right. And that, that was never a combination that was going to work out. And, um, yeah, I'm just lucky. I think I'm, I'm not lucky. That's the wrong word. I'm grateful that I was sort of woken up to see that that's how that, that was such a strong uh, 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 grounding in my life of how I lived my life of how I wanted people to connect with me. Mm. And the truth is, that's not really how I want to connect with people at all. Mm, okay, not at all. That's a lie. <laughs> okay, maybe a little bit. <laughs> I still have a physical body. I like it to be touched, right? Oh, you know, and that's a big thing going on in yoga right now too. And it's like, whoa, yeah, yeah. you know. And I, I mean, I, I've had a lot of people ask me about this, and and that someone even specifically said, "Well, how do you adjust Joe when he's in your class?" I'm like, "Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't. I know where you're going, but the truth is, when Joe comes to class, 
he doesn't get any more assisting or adjusting than anyone else, first of all, in the number of adjustments, and second of all, in the kind of adjustment. I don't want people coming to my class because they heard, ooh, go to Les's class because he gives you know an adjustment, blah, 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 or don't go to Les's right. class because he gives an adjustment, blah, blah, blah. I want people to feel safe. 100%, yeah, in their bodies and in their practice and in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Les, I mean, even the second time reading your book, you know, um, it's every single time I read it, you know, I'm a, obviously I'm in a different place in life and I always get something out of it. And, um, you know, just watching you from afar and connecting with you from afar and, and, and in person, you know, it's been such a gift and such a treat because you, you have this wisdom and you're so shameless about everything. It's, it's, <laughs> it's in a great way, you know, it's inspiring. It's inspiring to, to hear you speak and it's inspiring to see someone show up and just be fuck it. Here I am. <laughs> this is who I am. And I, and I'm not going to hold back. And so I just can't thank you enough for mm. showing up in the world the way that you do and, and offering everything that you do. And, you know, it's, it's again, that's that circle, that orbiting of like, you know, people being like, do you know less? Do you know less? Do you know less? And I'm like, I don't fucking know this Les Leventhal guy. Who is this person? You know? <laughs> and as soon as we got to connect, I was like, I get it. <laughs> and, so I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on the show today and, and sharing all of your wisdom and just uh, taking the time and the space and, and for, for you being you, because it's really, you know, in the last year has been uh, part of my healing is is taking inspiration from you in the way that you do show up. So thank you again for for taking the time out and joining us today, Les. I so appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been great to get to know you and to become friends and to see you traveling too. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. Until the next Yogi Misfit Sessions, this is Danny and Les saying peace out. Bye, everybody.